Hi, and welcome to the Hand in Hand Show, where caregivers and survivors have honest discussions about stroke. We are a part of Stroke Focus Podcasts. This is Cam, your host. If you are a survivor, a caregiver, a researcher, a support group leader, or a local business helping the stroke and brain injury community, Stroke Focus is offering a number of exciting programs. Get details at the end of this podcast. Oh, E. The song is in E. All right. And this group has seen plenty of obstacles, a far cry from the sweet sounds they're singing today. Known as the Backstrokes, each is a stroke survivor who's reclaimed their voice through song. What you have just heard is a performance by people who are stroke survivors. They are part of the Backstrokes Community Music Group in Oregon. It is set up by Anne Tillinghast. She helps survivors recover by teaching them to perform music. Anne and her people won the National Stroke Association Raise Award for 2017. And today we are honored to have Anne, Lee, Marlene, and Keith as our guests. I'm really excited about this. We've all heard that music and singing helps a lot. And what really made you want to start this? Because you quit your job. I did. I was working in a university hospital here in Portland, Oregon, in a clinical research center for stroke. So I worked for stroke neurologists. I was a patient scheduler and I was the receptionist. So I was the person who answered the phone and took the questions from patients some who had had strokes years ago and were coming back, you know, annually for their appointments. And many people who had, were family members of someone who had had a stroke two weeks ago, five weeks ago, a month ago. So I became very familiar with a lot of the questions that people asked. And I was very aware of the fact that I had very few answers outside of technical medical questions for the doctors. What do we do now? Where do we get support? What's next? Those questions were much, just as far as living your life, those questions were much more ambiguous. Um, I didn't have answers. I didn't have resources, you know, supplied to me to tell them. I later learned that the therapists, the rehabilitation therapists, had a lot more of that information. I was really struck by how, I guess they call it siloed, the information was. And then in the doctor's office, we didn't seem to have a lot of resources for kind of the human side, the emotional side after that event. So I was constantly frustrated by that. I became personally interested in playing music with friends and found it to be extremely compelling, extremely fun. It helped reduce my anxiety. It helped reduce my stress. And it helped make me feel like a more well person. It it made me healthier in many ways. And I really saw in my role there that kind of sense of well-being and health. It's important to be in a good place to be able to just navigate the medical system without a brain injury, without having a stroke. It was at that hospital, it was hard to figure out who to call to make an appointment with what person. 
the most, you know, the most basic things were difficult. When I started seeing papers, this, this was, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, or maybe 10 years ago that I started seeing papers, they were starting to show how music actually helped heal the brain. It helps the brain work together. One of the doctors I worked for said that after a brain injury, one part of the brain might be working faster and another part of the brain might be working slower. And the music helps bring that together so that the brain is, is working as one. A light bulb went off and I thought, wow, this could be an experience that could help, you know, with the wellness, the anxiety, the stress, the connection with others. And while we're not paying attention, it could help speech, it could help motor function, it could help actually support the recovery process. Mm -hmm. I was lucky to work with a very forward-thinking physical therapist who was really focused on, she called it a bridge, that rehabilitation should be a bridge back to your life and that, you know, your life will be different. And she also saw that brain recovery could happen years and years after an injury. And I think the medical system, a lot of people in the medical system, they'll still say things, oh, you'll never talk again. Oh, you'll never walk again. We still hear that. We still hear people coming in with recent strokes who've been told these things. Thank you for saying this. And that's something that I am trying to teach the therapists at the rehabilitation center where I was and where I run the stroke support group that I'm talking to people who 25 years down the road, they're making progress physically, mentally, their brain function, but they found a new doctor who works with them, who, who gives them new therapies and stuff to do that. We definitely want people to think that this doesn't stop. Then after that, I hired a musician. The other thing I thought, because I worked in a clinical research center, I saw that but nothing is developed, there's no treatment, there's resources are not spent developing new treatments unless somebody's gonna make some money. And that's just the way business works, that's just the way things work. And I really thought that music, playing music, getting people to actually play the music and sing the music themselves, what all you really need, we found out, are two musicians. I think two musicians make it more dynamic, more fun. It makes it more fun for us, and then it makes it more fun for the group. And, and yeah, that's the most fun thing I could do all day long. (laughs) This idea that benefits would outweigh the cost, and that eventually insurance companies, rehab facilities, are going to want to pay the relatively low price of two musicians for an hour for the benefits that keep being proven. Mm -hmm. And in Portland, Oregon, we have a surplus of professional musicians. We could also at the same time put musicians to work. And so to me, it's, it's a whole model. And I still think it's a financially sound model. And our group has been operating 100 pretty much on $5 donations from our group members. And Keith and I, we, we spend volunteer hours every week for the past four, five years. We've spent, you know, a number of hours every week. But I think that with some outside funding, these groups eventually down the road, I see a model where they will be 
financially sustainable or only need a small amount of supportive funding to keep them going. So that's an important part of the model as well. Keith, you're here with us and you play the guitar for the group. Well, I have been a musician for a long time, but I also, I had a, a career that uh, five years ago, a little more than that, I went to work and the next day was my last day. So among the people I was playing music with, a friend of Ann's that was helping with the backstrokes. And so uh, Trace would tell me to come on. Oh, I should come. I should come with her some Monday because I'd really, I, she thought I'd really like it. And so, you know, she worked on me for maybe a month and I did show up with a drum and a shaker and had a great time. I went to another group that afternoon with, with them and I haven't quit coming since. Some number of months after I came here and Trace left and um, I just started playing guitar. And so Ann and I played music with other people all the time and it's a really fantastic thing. So we have Lee and Marlene here and they're part of the group. Yes. Yep. So Lee, how long have you been in the group? Oh, almost since the beginning. I was, I had a stroke nine years ago. And for the first two years, I was at home learning to walk and learning to talk. And after two years, I found myself suffocating at home. And a friend of mine heard about the backstrokes. And I went and it, I never stopped. <laughs> well, it sounds fun if you love music. Oh, yes. Singing was a window to the outside world. And one of the other things I want to mention is the community of backstrokes. Being able to go into a place where 16 or 20 people know me and I know them and we're great friends and it's a community that I'm part of. A lot of times stroke survivors, anybody with a disability or a major illness, they're at home and sometimes they can't get out or if they can get out, there's nothing that they really want to do. And this is so good for people. Yes. Um, so Marlene, how long have you been in the group? For uh, five years. What has this group done for you? Communication almost stopped when I had a stroke. So you um, think it's helped you a lot? Yes. Ten years ago, I was bumbling with words. I have words low a bit easier and uh and and I ukulele directions. So you play the ukulele? Yes. After Ooh. my throat and I and she and I is it nursing home? and play music, and I, yes, am happier 
than I have ever been. That's so nice to hear. So you and Keith play different places. He plays his guitar and you play your ukulele. Where do you all perform? I heard Marlene say nursing homes. Yeah. Other places? Port Haven, Leaston. Do people need a music background to perform in the group? Nope. You do no. not. We're talking, Marlene said she plays the ukulele and that that started after her stroke. So does someone teach people to do this or they, it's something they've done on their own? A couple yeah. of years ago, I had some extra time and I ran a beginning ukulele group just out of my house. It was very small, but we did that for, boy, several months, maybe a year. And that was when Marlene learned to play ukulele. Um, and it basically, my method is find songs that people want to play, find songs that people want to sing. Part of the research about brain science is that yes, music works wonders. It does these amazing things. You're, you know, any musician can tell you that they don't feel as good if they don't get to play, you know, regularly, weekly. But search shows it has to be music that you like. And music that we, it, it, so the right song, it has to be the right song for the right person. So my method of teaching music is, is we had our little group and we all picked songs and I picked really easy ones in the beginning. And then um, it's fairly easy to learn chord shapes on a ukulele. And then you just practice strumming. So we would get together and just play songs together. And it's a great way to learn to play. Um, playing with other people is a higher level skill. And if you do that once a week, you don't have to practice at home between. If you play once a week with friends, very slowly the skills will build up. So the fun of getting together, spending time with friends, and then strumming along to songs that you love, that you want to play, is really, that's the formula. Well, that sounds like fun. What kind of music do you all normally gravitate to? Uh, Lee, you could answer that question. If you want. <laughs> well, most of our songs from our childhood, uh, 20s and 30s, uh, John Cash, Cat Stevens, Paul Simon, old cowboy <laughs> stuff, all those. Those are really actually fun songs. Yes. Um, I can't tell you what plays these days except for things that my kids play, and then I'm just like totally lost. <laughs> yes. Our, our songbook has about 80 songs in it. Our first songbook, number one, and it was compiled almost completely of requests from the Backstrokes group over the okay. years. We just, we are, con Keith and I are constantly taking requests in, seeing, finding, trying them each one out, figuring out which will work best for the group. And we're always adding new songs. That is, that's part of the really important part of this is like yeah. I said, getting the songs that people want to sing. Is it just stroke survivors in your group? Well, I have a hard time keeping anybody out of any group. 
So um, our group specifically, though, welcomes stroke survivors, friends and family, and then also medical professionals in the who work in the stroke field. Um, because I because of my experience with providers not always understanding the experience that a patient is going through, I felt that it was important to you know put people on the same page get people in unity most stroke providers work during the week so we don't have a lot but but we do have a doctor in the group who who's an important part of the group and um and we have actually added a third group during the week now that's open to the entire community because we i do want more people to come in but we also want to keep that protected space for people who, you know, who've had strokes and want to have that support. I love the fact that you let the healthcare professionals come in. You also, you all got the RAISE Award. We did, it was awarded to the group. And when was that? That was in about November of last year, 2017. Okay. Yep, very, very exciting. Outstanding support group. That really is important. It's a huge honor. And I was talking to you about the ABC Brigade earlier here in St. Louis. Kathy Howard, who runs that, was a RAISE Award winner also. I think it's been about three or four years ago. I know it's a huge thing in the community to get that. It's the National Stroke Association. I was particularly happy to receive an award from the National Stroke Association. My years working at the hospital... Of course, I had interacted with the National Stroke Association and the American Stroke Association, and the National Stroke Association really provided a lot more materials, and, and they seemed to be, you know, plugged into the, the survivors, and, um, you know, the American Heart Association, you know, seemed to be more, uh, both are important, um, you know, plugged into research and, and supporting the the doctors, you know, running conf the doctors conference. And so I was particularly honored to um, receive an award from, from the NSA. What do you see your area as the biggest challenge to survivors and or caregivers? I think transportation is, is a huge challenge. Yes. Yeah. So, um, Lee, when you say, uh, transportation and, and you well when Ann said it and you agreed tell me about that well I don't have that problem because I still still drive okay. but most stroke survivors cannot drive mm -hmm. and if they get a cab or a public transport they have to call first they have to wait an hour and then they go, and then they have to call. And, you know, it is very, very difficult to find transportation from one place to, not, to another. Okay. Yeah. I, I understand that because there was a time I couldn't drive. And to try to even sign up for some of these things, it was like... <laughs> It was huge. I mean, there were like 20 pages to three. fill up. Three doctors do it, you know. And you're right. You you had to sit and wait. Um, even though you said pick me up at 8 a.m., they may show up at nine. Yes. And, you know, or 
they might show up early and then just turn around and leave because you weren't ready when they got there. At least that's how it works here. Same. Transportation, I think, is, is a big deal anywhere, unfortunately. And the more rural areas have nothing. You know, maybe the next thing you need to start in is a community bus. I would love to. <laughs> One day. Yeah. The other thing for stroke survivors is learning what the resources are. You are in your home. Occasionally, you see a health professional, but that health professional usually doesn't know. So there is a communication gap. Well, and that's why your group is good in another way is this is where we share information about what we learn choosing music how did you come to that conclusion just really because you had read some information and saw that it was kind of seemed to be working or were you looking for things that might work for in the stroke community how did that work I was really looking to play music. I really wanted to play music. And I had started a little music group weekly. My husband and I, Todd, and, uh, Keith and I, luckily are both married to employed people, <laughs> which is why we're able to do this. Um, but my husband and I started a little group and we had friends coming over every week, every Sunday night. And I started to get, um, a little overscheduled and I started canceling the group once or twice a month and people were frustrated with that. They wanted to play music every week. And I, I thought, whoa, that's interesting. And I was very interested in starting music groups. I love to play music with people. And when I heard about how music helps the brain after brain injury, I thought that was a way that I would be able to play music with people. And I thought it was such a compelling idea that those, that was where I wanted to play music. I, I have a, a vision of, of community music being delivered as a public health service. Mm -hmm. I, I, I would love to see Portland provide community music in all of the community centers for all of the neighborhoods the same way the city of Portland provides bicycle lanes for people. I believe music brings people together. I believe music builds community. Music has brought my own family together. If you're singing, you can't argue with each other. Your mouth <laughs> I like that. It's so true. So for me, community music is a passion that, and um, I'm driven to do it. And the stroke community was the perf perfect opportunity to do that. I got to get off of the telephone, you know, where I'm talking to patients on the phone. And I, I got to move into a room where I'm playing music with friends who are stroke survivors. They're not patients anymore. They're people who are playing music with me and are my friends. And um, that was a, a wonderful change in my life. Mm -hmm. Keith, is there anything you wanted to add to this? 
what it's done for you. My life is way better now. I used to live a life of contention in corporate research and development. Now I get to hug people all the time every day. And we did talk about, you know, the songbooks that we've developed. And really, we've got, we've got a really wide, wide, wide variety of genre and, and a, a really amazing amount of different kind of music. And the other thing that we try to do when we vet through it, you know, because we're both pretty simple musicians, you know, um, but we don't want to choose songs that are too complicated. We want to be easy to play music with. And I think so far that's Marlene is not the only person that has learned or improved on an instrument. Um, in fact, we have a number of people that bring instruments in and because we play relatively simple music that people know it's really built for success and you know and the books help everybody be able to sit down and you don't really have to know the song so to speak and you can be jamming with people and i think it's really a a big part of what helps us be accessible lee is there anything you have to end with yes backstrokes was my first contact with people outside my home. And now I have contact through Tai Chi and weaving and the SMART program, helping children read. And Backstrokes did that for me. It gave me courage, really, to go out and try those other things. That's wonderful. And Lee, I love Tai Chi. So Marlene, we're going to end with you today. Is there anything else you'd like to add for us? Keep up the good work. Thank you. This is an announcement of Stroke Focus. Stroke Focus has opened up its blog section to all its members. It is a professional platform, completely free and very easy to use. It provides instant visibility to know how many views your blog is receiving. At the same time, we are helping members put stories on our podcast. You can get a professional quality radio broadcast to share on Facebook, Twitter, or post on your site. For all our members with aphasia, our audio editors will help make your interview smooth. You do not need any professional equipment. No interview will be published before you review and approve it. There is no charge. Join us at https colon backslash backslash www.strokefocus.net or write to us at contact at strokefocus.net. Join the growing list of people sharing stories. What you share will make a difference.